0: Several weeks ago, Edgewood hosted a simulcast event in partnership with Voice of the Martyrs. The event was called Imprisoned for Christ, and it featured three men who were jailed for Jesus. We were urged to pray for persecuted believers. Two main ways to pray, pray that they'll be firm in their faith and that they'll remain faithful. Faithful. During this event, I learned of a brand-new book by Todd Nettleton called When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. Well, that night, I went home and immediately ordered a copy. Uh, There's a link on Sermon Extras on our website or app if you'd like to do the same. Allow me to read an excerpt from the second chapter called I Used To beat him. The nickname Haji is a term of respect in the Muslim world, bestowed on those who've completed their Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca, one of Islam's five pillars. It's not commonly combined with the title Pastor. We met Pastor Haji at his grass roofed house in the southern part of Ethiopia an area where a rising tide of radical Islam was threatening the church and Christian believers. Outside the house, there was a burn mark on the wall. One week prior, radical Muslims tried to set fire to Haji's house. Thankfully, he put out the fire. As we sit drinking orange sodas, Haji graciously offered us, we can look up to see sunlight streaming through holes in the tightly packed grass roof. The holes are the result of neighborhood Muslims throwing stones in the house, trying to pressure Haji and his family to leave the area or return to Islam. Thankfully, none of his family was injured by falling stones. Haji understands the hatred of radical Muslims. He used to be one of them. He was so devout, he was sent to Saudi Arabia for special training. As we stood outside the hut, Haji had his arm around the evangelist that brought us to meet him nodding his head toward the evangelist he said five words i will never forget so this is the former muslim with his arm around the evangelist said these five words i used to beat him what I used to beat him. Haji went on to tell us that he was the leader of a radical Islamic group of young men, and part of their holy duty to their prophet was attacking and harassing Christians. One of those they attacked was this very evangelist, the man now smiling with Haji's arm draped loosely over his shoulders. In spite of beatings, the evangelist refused hatred for his attackers. Instead, he showed them love and he offered them blessings and good news. Haji had no explanation for such a response. How could a man you were beating show love to you? How could he not grow angry and fight back? Eventually, Haji's heart was one by the gospel message and the love of the Christian man he was attacking. He left the vitriol and violence of Islam for peace beyond his understanding. So here's what I wrote down. I don't know what your reaction is to hearing that. Here's what I wrote down. This follower of Christ was able to forgive a Muslim for beating him. It makes me wonder why I struggle to bear with someone who simply bugs me. Well, in this final installment of our One Another series, our focus is on the biblical imperative to love one another. This week, I learned something new. There's 59 different One Another statements Here's something I learned, two things. One third of them deal with unity in the church. That means unity is a big deal to God. Another third of them instructs us to love one another. So Edgewood will be united to the extent that we love one another. I've been pondering one pastor's perspective I put it on the top of the screen. The primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Well, as we've been learning and many of us have experienced firsthand, every relationship we have can rupture easily. Listen, if we don't work at it, our idiosyncrasies will become irritants and our unity will unravel. That's why we must and will follow the exhortation in Ephesians 4, 3, which says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. (laughs) This week, I went through some old files. Do you ever do that? And you go, whoa, I didn't know that was in there. So I was going through some old files. I came across an online search I did 18 years ago. Here's the topic, annoying people. (laughs) I just typed it into Google. 1.1 million sites came up in the search results. Well, so this week I thought, well, I'm going to do the same search. So I did the same search. The number of results increased from 1.1 million in 2003 to 170 million today. Now, I don't know if that means there are that many more irritating people or if it's our tolerance for those who aggravate us that has tanked. Hey, my guess is there are some annoying people in your life. I might be one of them. Do you have any corrosive Christians just eating away at your insides? Anyone getting on your nerves? Any sandpaper saints just rubbing you the wrong way? Well, in a book called People I Could Do Without, isn't that a great title for a book? People I Could Do Without, Donald Smith says our pent-up exasperation with people can send us into two modes. See if you fit one of these modes. Maybe you're in the middle. Here's one mode, a reactionary rampage. You just lose it. The other mode is to go into a silent seethe. I mean, you're silent about it, but you're seething. You know, it's no surprise. The Bible has a lot to say about Bearing with one another. So last weekend, our focus was on helping people bear their burdens. Tonight, it's a little more personal. How can you and I bear with one another? So the phrase, bear with, well, it means to endure patiently, to put up with, to be indulgent, to suffer. It's the idea of long-suffering being slow to be angry. Let's just admit it, we don't do much of that at all today. We sound off, we run off, or we run somebody else off. And sometimes we square off and we want to knock someone off. But seldom do we put up with people. So the phrase bear with occurs 17 times in the New Testament. Here's the first time it's used. It's used by Jesus, Matthew chapter 17, verse 17. This is right after the transfiguration. Jesus comes down the mountain and there's a crowd. A man comes up and asks for mercy on his son. I brought him to your disciples, they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Check this. How long am I to bear with you? How long shall I put up with you? Ephesians 4.2 gives us four ways to cut others some slack. Ephesians 4.2 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience. So here's the phrase, bearing with one another in love. Well, there's some four way, for there are four ways here that we're to cut each other some slack. But first, we're going to have to deal with our pride. Do you see that first with all humility? Here's our pride. It often gets evidenced this way. We think we're always right. Everyone else is wrong. When we're humble, we'll put up with people because we know we're not easy to be around with either. Secondly, we're to be gentle with believers who believe and behave differently than we do, recognizing that the God of grace, we just sang about amazing grace, is gentle with us. Thirdly, when we're patient with others, we can see that they're in process, just like we are. God isn't finished with me and he's not done with you either. And number four, when we bear with others, we're to do so in an attitude of love, not indifference or hatred. Uh, look at Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. This is so tender. You can can hear the plea here from Paul, at least, writing to a church. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What are we to put on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Check out the first phrase of verse 13. What is it? Say it with me bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, well, sometimes it's not a matter of bearing, it's forgiving each other. What's our model? Jesus, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So instead of being harsh with others, we're called to be holy and humble. We're to bear with those who bug us. And if someone has wronged us, we're to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us even those who persecute us. Now, before you can bear with someone, you may first need to forgive them for whatever they've done to you. Forbearing and forgiveness often go hand in hand. This leads to our main idea. Because Jesus bears with us, aren't you glad he does? We can, we must bear with one another. And so we're called to put up with different personalities, different preferences, different perspectives. Several weeks ago, we briefly referenced the first verses of Romans chapter 15. We spent most of our time in chapter 14 where we were exhorted to accept one another. I want to go back to that text and I want us to take a closer look. So open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 15. We're going to discover six ways to bear with those who bug us. Let me give them to you right at the beginning. Put up, build up, look up, grow up, stand up, and speak up. Paul is writing to two distinct groups in the church at Rome. He's writing to those who are weak and those who are strong. And each group graded on one another. The strong saints had no problem eating meat sacrificed to idols while others felt by eating meat a person could become spiritually contaminated. This group followed a strict diet. They thought, they thought some days were more spiritual than others. So these believers bothered the other believers who felt they could indulge in any kind of meat and worship on any day they wanted. So what's going on? One group hadn't fully grasped the extent of their freedom in Christ, the other group exercised their freedom in Christ with a clear conscience, but get this, but didn't bear with believers who disagreed with them. Listen, we've said this before in this series. This is the last message in this series, so I want to say it again. We can easily fall into thinking that the way we do things or our perspective is proper And right, and those who differ from us must somehow be wrong. And some of us go out of our way to try to control how other believers believe and how they behave, secretly judging them according to our own spiritual standards. In fact, most of us would categorize ourselves as the strong ones as we wonder why so many people are weaker than we are. Matt Smethurst frames it this way, an immature Christian is someone who has a Ph.D. in others' sins and a junior high diploma in their own. Now let me be clear, we're not asked to tolerate someone's trespasses. We're not caving on what the Bible says is sin. But instead, we're called to give grace to those who are wired differently than we are. And these differences are sometimes expressed in lifestyle choices, or they may just be annoying habits. We're called to bear with someone who is a bore or someone who snores. Maybe it's someone who sneezes or wheezes. Perhaps it's someone who's nosy or rosy. I guess I'm not a poet. That was my ode to Dr. Seuss. So So here's the rub. The person who rubs me the wrong way may not be sinning against me, but I can very easily sin against him or her with my attitude or my actions. Well, let's look first. Number one, put up. We're called to put up with people. Verse one, we who are strong have an obligation. That's a strong word to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So the stronger believers are to bear with believers who mess up. When Paul uses the word obligation, he's saying we're bound by Christ to bear with others. Let me bring it to where we live. In an age of cancel culture, and hypercritical Christianity, we're called to endure the frustrations of living closely with others as we tolerate disputable matters we disagree with, or as we simply put up with personality quirks and preferences. So we're challenged to restrain our natural reaction towards odd or difficult people. By allowing them to be themselves without thinking that they have to become just like us. The key is found in the last part of the verse, and not to please ourselves. This goes back to what we learned last week. Our tendency is to strive for first place. The Bible says we're to lunge for last place as we follow the example of the one who died in our place. Paul had this figured out, 1 Corinthians 9, 12, but we endure anything, that's quite a statement, rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. You know, it's always been easy for saints to get sideways with one another. In the late 1800s, there were two deacons in a small Baptist church in Mayfield, Kentucky. They didn't get along, and they always supposed each other in any decision the church made. So on one particular Sunday, one deacon put up a small wooden peg on the back wall for the preacher to hang his hat on. <laughs> the other deacon discovered the peg. He was outraged, and he left the church. As far as I know, this is a true story the church split, and the new church was formed. Get this, here's the name of the new church. The anti-peg Baptist church. Now, I can't prove that's a true story, but you can imagine it might be, right? So because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Secondly, build up. So not only put up, but Build up one another. That's right from verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So when we bear with one another, we allow God to use us to help construct Christians. When we blast away, we willingly or unwillingly participate in the process of tearing them down. Notice. Notice. We're not just to endure people, we're to encourage people. How are you doing at that? Our aim is to be a disciple-making church where everyone is being discipled and everyone who has been discipled is discipling others. We want to be and create a culture where everyone is built up in their faith. And God is committed to building people up and he's greatly grieved when we demolish what he has designed. Check out Isaiah 57, 14. Build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. Here's a question. Are you a hindrance or a helper? God doesn't want obstacles to stand in the way of someone's growth he longs for builders in the body of Christ. Are you a builder? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I like how Paul encourages the church at Thessalonica. He's like, okay, you guys are doing okay. You're already doing it, but do it more. Part of building others up is recognizing how we might irritate other people. Is there anything you're doing right now which annoys those around you? <laughs> well, I have a bad habit that I'm not sure I want to confess in front of everyone, but I told Beth I would, and she's like, really? So, so, so here you go. Here's one of my bad habits. So in our house, when Beth is looking for me, maybe she has a question or maybe we're getting ready to go somewhere. When she calls my name, I don't answer her. (laughs) And I know it bugs her. I make her come and find me wherever I am in the house. I did it when our girls were in the house as well. I know it bugs them. And I should change. Uh, this week, I did it again. So, so what is it that, that you're doing that you know bugs someone else? So if you know you're rubbing people the wrong way with something you're doing, then maybe you should change. I think Beth's glad I said that out loud because now I have to change. So because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Number three, look up. Listen, we will only put up. If you try to do this on your own, you won't. we put up and build up. The only way we can do that is if we look up. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll be reminded, right, that he didn't come to be served, but to what? Serve, that's why he came, he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. And here Paul is quoting Psalm 69, 9 to show how Jesus embraced the insults of irritating people. He didn't please himself and he took on the reproaches which were not his to bear so good could come to others. So if you find yourself getting irritated and annoyed all the time, anyone? It's probably because you're not looking up enough. Matthew 17, 8 tells us what three of his disciples did. So I'm gonna come back to the transfiguration. I read verse 17. Let me go back to verse 8 of Matthew 17. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. When we look to Jesus, we see him only. And it helps put all of our problems and the irritations we have with other people into perspective. Look up at Jesus and remember, he puts up with you and he bears with the person who's bugging you. When you lift your eyes and only see Jesus, you'll be less prone to see problems in other people. Greg Laurie, he's an evangelist in uh, in California, uh, tweeted some advice this week. This is what he said: Before you get caught in the crazy cycle of hurt and forgiveness, try shifting your glance away from the one who hurt you and setting your eyes on the one who saved you. That's helpful. So because Jesus bears with us, we can, we must, we will bear with one another. Number four, grow up. If we're ever going to bear with the porcupine people in our lives, uh, we need to take responsibility to grow in our faith. And we grow by daily spending time in scripture and joining a discipleship group or a growth group. Look at verse four for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might, what? Have hope. If you've lost hope and you're not in God's Word, you're not going to find the hope you've lost. It's through the Scriptures That phrase, former days, what's that referring to? Well, it's referring to the Old Testament and the giving of instructions like the Ten Commandments, which will be our next sermon series that we're calling Written in Stone. The word endurance relates to how we deal with life's problems and people's weaknesses. So the Bible encourages us so that we're filled with hope. Hope. That others will change, and more importantly, hope that we will change. So, are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? That question isn't meant to cause guilt or shame. That question, and your answer to that question, will determine in large part whether or not you're going to grow. And whether or not you're going to have hope in your life. And whether or not you're going to be able to bear with annoying people in your life. Let me say it strongly. It's impossible to grow as a Christian if you're not allowing God's word to enter your life. First Peter 2.2 two links our growth to our spiritual diet. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, that by it, listen to the next part, you may grow up in your salvation. We begin to change when we soak ourselves in scripture. So if you're looking for a place to start, Perhaps you're having, you don't have really have a plan on where to read. Our April Bible reading plan will cover the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. You can get to that on our website. There's also hard copies out at the two kiosks. Because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Number five, stand up. Since God bears with us, we must be willing to stand up with those who've fallen down or with those who are different from us. Look at verse five may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such, what? Harmony Harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. God's heart is for the church to be united and to stand together according to Acts 4.32, which says, Now the full number of of those who believed, the full number were of one heart and soul. The full number, meaning everyone, was one heart, one soul, Acts 4.32. Now, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've made the mistake of allowing my first impressions of people to keep me from being one in heart and mind with them. When Beth and I were involved in a previous church, it's actually a couple churches ago, we were involved in a ministry together with someone who rubbed us the wrong way. She seemed arrogant. She seemed stuck up. Unapproachable. We wanted nothing to do with her. We're just like, we're going to pull back from that one. Yikes. Until... We found out her background until we found out what she had come through in her childhood. And two things happened we were rebuked and we were drawn to her. We became good friends with her and ministry partners, and we ministered together for many years. Friend, is there anybody you've written off and you're just like, I don't like that person. Come on, you have. And it might be someone in this room. And maybe it's because the first impression bothered you. They did something, said something, and now you're kind of like pushed back from them. Let's cut some people slack and recognize we seldom have the whole story. God's heart for unity is found also in Zephaniah 3.9. He knows we're sinners, so he purifies us. And when we're cleansed, we can stand up and serve side by side. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. That's God's heart. Because Jesus bears with us, we can bear with one another. Finally, number six, speak up. The ultimate goal or the reason why. So if you're thinking, why should I bear with another Christian? Well, here it is. It's to bring glory to God. Notice verse six, that together, see the word together? You may with one voice do what? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase, one voice, means with one accord. It's only possible when there's no contention or strife or when there is that we bear with it or we forgive when we've been wronged or we ask for forgiveness when we're the ones who have done the wrong. So when we allow other believers to bug us, our worship can be short-circuited. Our service will be splintered. And we end up not bringing glory to God. So I wonder, what do people hear from a church where people are griping about each other? How how can they learn about God's glory? Glory means weightiness. How do they hear about who God is, the sum total of all of his attributes, if you and I are not speaking up with one voice in order to make him look good to others? So when we stand up, or to speak up in praise to the Lord. Nehemiah 9.5, stand up, Nehemiah says, and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. So do you want to learn to bear with others? If so, put up, build up, look up, grow up, stand up, and speak up. Well, let's transition to application. Number one, make a list of the people who bug you. Might be a long list, after you finish, look through the names. Look for some common denominators. Are there some traits, some attitudes which annoy you? Ask God to help you see those people from His perspective. Number two, this will really help. Pray for the list of problem people for two weeks. Your relationship with people who irritate you will radically change if you pray for them by name for 14 days. You might not want to pray out loud if they can hear you. Number three, ask God to change you. As hard as I might try, very seldom can I change someone else. Anybody experience that? Uh, The problem really is not other people. It's a little more personal. It's me. And I can ask God to do something about me. Number four, let go of grudges and forgive faults. Release your grip on a grudge or it will strangle you. The longer you hold on to it, the more it will hold on to you. Is there someone you haven't forgiven? It's time to let go of your grudges. Number five, restore a broken relationship. What one positive step can you take this week to mend a fractured friendship? Need to make a phone call? Send a note? Have coffee with someone? And finally, number six, perform an act of service. Watch this. Loving feelings tend to follow loving actions. Some of us wait for the feeling. You're like, I just don't feel it. Listen, you may be waiting a long time. I've been helped in this regard by a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's quite deep. Check it out. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. You know, during this time of year, with birds coming back, I see robins reappearing. I remembered an article I wrote several years ago, and I entitled it Rockin' Robin. I'm going to end with this article. Thunk, splat, kapow, No, these are not crazy captions from a Batman fight scene. Our family first heard these sounds coming from one of our bedrooms when we lived in central Illinois. The noise was both eerie and irritating. Upon investigation, we discovered that it wasn't Batman, but his sidekick, Robin. Well, actually, it was just a (laughs) Robin smashing into the window that I had just Windexed. This went on for days, and I didn't think he'd ever stop attacking our window. He began early in the morning and continued until sundown. Now, wanting to make sure this robin wasn't trying to get my attention like Edgar Allan Poe's raven, I decided to think through some life lessons from the behavior of this red-bellied beast. But first, I did what I often do when I don't understand something. I googled the phrase robin attack, and I discovered some interesting facts. A robin is very territorial. You say it for me. Thank you. And when he notices his reflection in a window, he gets agitated. He raises his feathers on his head. He assumes a dominant position. Well, normally, that's all it takes for other robins to fly away. They're like, we're out of here. Well, instead of leaving the territory, the reflected robin seems to get equally agitated and assumes the attack position. The first time this happens, the real robin goes to his favorite song perch. He starts singing. When he doesn't hear a responding song, he's more certain that he really is in his own territory. However, when the robin sees the reflection again, he goes ballistic, and so does the reflection. As the real robin flies toward the window, the reflected robin seems to attack as well and the robin hits the glass. No matter how aggressive the robin gets, the reflection never goes away. And the robin won't let up either, thus explaining the incessant dysfunctional cycle of our bent-beaked, feathered friend. Now I see four lessons that you and I can apply to our lives. Number one, some of us are fighting imaginary battles as we invest our energy in aggressive outbursts against people who are not really our enemies anyway. <laughs> that's not a cardinal fan, is it? That's a combo there. Listen, we often attack in others what we don't like in ourselves. I wonder how many times we get upset with people precisely because they exhibit the same tendencies we have. Kapow. Number two, when we unload on others, we get distracted from our purpose in life. When a robin makes war on a window, he forgets to work on important tasks like making a nest, like finding food and singing songs. Likewise, when you and I enter into combative conflict with those around us, we stop singing and we disengage from what we've been designed to do. Thunk. Number three, fighting people not only hurts others, it hurts us as well. Perhaps you have a sour spirit as a result of what someone has done or said to you. Or maybe you're resentful to God, at God for what's happened in your life. Proverbs 14.10 says, each heart knows its own bitterness. If we could add up the bitterness here in this room, And those engaging online, we'd be stunned. So are you blinded by any bitterness right now? Do you have any unresolved anger toward your spouse, your kids, your parents, a boss, a church member, or a friend? Listen, when bitterness is allowed to breed, it will always lead to an offspring of antagonism, which hurts those around you while destroying yourself in the process. It's like swallowing a bottle of poison, and waiting for the other person to die. And when you and I allow bitterness over the hurts and slights and pains of life to control us, we begin to die a slow death. Thwack. Number four, some of us are caught in a cycle of self-destruction. If our rock and robin didn't surrender soon, he'd eventually harm himself. Do you ever feel like you're caught in a cycle of sin? These unholy habits? If you continue in this course, the consequences could have eternal implications. Brothers and sisters, there's a way out. Jesus can break your bondage and set you free from your sins." He put it this way, John 8:36, "So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Don't allow your hurts to turn into hate. You can become bitter or you can get better. The choice is yours. Put your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior and determine to follow him as your king. Now, I didn't know how much longer our renegade Robin would attack our window. But I hoped he'd eventually go back to helping around the nest and singing to Mrs. Robin. What about you? Are you ready to do what you're designed to do? Instead of smacking into your own reflection with God's help, you can soar above the irritations of life. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Aren't you glad, church, that Jesus bears with you? Actually, he did even more. He went to the cross as your sin bearer. And if you've never repented of your sins and received the free gift of eternal life, tonight's the night to do that. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Jesus, thank you for bearing with all my unbearable attitudes and actions. More than that, Jesus, thank you for bearing my sins when you died in my place on the cross Thank you for rising from the dead to show your power over sin, your power over death, and your power over the devil. And you did that for me. And I now turn from my sin and I receive you into my life. Jesus, I want to be born again. I need full forgiveness from all of my many sins. Come into my life. And give me the tenacity to fully follow you as your disciple. And give me grace to bear with others. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, Amen.